1: On the Service Master by Cornerstone phone line, it is Chris Harrington. He joins me now. Chris, what are we listening to?
0: That is a hangover game by a guy named M.J. Lenderman. Some new for 2022 NBA-centric indie rock as the season approaches.
1: Um. All right. So, uh, before I do anything else, Jennifer Biggs wrote a piece today at the Daily Memphian. The uh, Gus's Fried Chicken has been named the number one chicken in the country in some contest. I think... I think you can make an argument that we, that in, in Gus's, there is no food we do better than we do we, Gus's, does fried chicken in Memphis. Like, I, I understand the barbecue's great and the wings are great and the whatever, whatever else. I would argue that you would, it, it is harder to find a better form of fried chicken anywhere in the world than the fried chicken you get at Gus's. And I don't know that I can say that about barbecue, for example, where there's all of Texas and Kansas City. How do you feel about Gus's?
0: I agree with you. I think I, I, I Gus's the way Gus's does chicken is ideal for me. This it is the way I want my fried chicken. It is it is not gimmicky hot chicken, but it's not underspiced either. It's got a real heat to it, but not an overwhelming heat. It's, I, the flavor profile to me is perfect. The heat level is perfect. The crispiness of the skin it's and perfect. the tenderness of the meat. Typically, I I, I think that I, I, Gus's does chicken fried chicken the way I want my fried chicken. Yeah.
1: It's fantastic. All right, there's, uh, there's, uh, uh, in terms of the Grizzlies going forward here over the rest of the, you you you, you said on this show uh, and you tweeted out that the last game felt like the dress rehearsal.
0: Yeah, do you I, th- f- I think you may tweak some things after a dress rehearsal. as sometimes you do when you're staging a production. But yeah, I think that was a that was a test run of this is sort of the what we're thinking about doing. Let's see what it looks like.
1: Is there, I mean, and, and obviously the games aren't just where they decide things. They decide things in practice and whatever else. But do we know right. the answers, like, right, right now? Like, there's nothing particularly, you could be interested, you can want to see Jake LaRavia again. You can want to see uh, Santi Aldama again. But is there anything particular? It feels like we know the answer. Like, is there anything you, that, to be settled in the remaining preseason games?
0: Well, I mean, I think, I think it's pretty clear that, barring something unexpected, that they're going to start Santi Aldama. They haven't, they haven't said that, but that seems pretty clear to me. I do think, you know, I, I think that when they made Arabia like, you know, the tenth man, the fourth big in the rotation, they were they were they were rebuilding. That is their that is their prior. That's their default. I think they'll experiment with some David Roddy. I mean, Tillman, Xavier Tillman has not played in a preseason game yet. He's right. going to play some, I would assume. And maybe you change their change their mind on that. I don't think they will. I, I think again, it's been two games, but Arabia has not been terrible. He said he's been he's been up and down, but he has not. You you have not watched Jake Arabia in these two preseason games and said, yeah, he, he he just can't really play right now. Whereas you know Roddy looks amazing. Or well, there's not that much of a difference. And so to me, I don't see anything that's going to move them off of that prior at this point. So I assume that is what the rotation will be opening night. And then, you know, there's the question, which a lot of people aren't going to care about or notice. I'm kind of interested. There's the question of substitution pattern. Um, I feel like what they did in game two made a lot of sense to me, and I suspect they'll mostly stick with it, except maybe some of the front court stuff. Like they ended up playing. They never played Aldama and Brandon Clark together in that game, so I would huh. tweak that rotation to get those two guys on the floor together. Some because to me that seems to make a lot of sense. And for whatever reason, they never they were never on the floor together.
1: So then, what if you do this? So then you have Desmond Bain playing with Tyus Jones is the idea? More minutes?
0: Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you, everyone's going to play with everyone, ah, of course. But, but just yep. in terms of the way you shift, this is what I wrote about. It, it may go up today, but I did a, I did a Bain Brooks column that I, I filed this morning. Um, I, I think, you know, the ration, you're going to, you know, your first sub, you're not going to do fleet substitutions. That's not how he does it. And so one of your two wings is going to come, come out before the other wing, and one of your two bigs is going to come out before the other big. And more than likely, that means when you rotate back in, the guy who kind of came out first is going to rotate back in first. And when he rotates back in, he'll be playing along more, alongside more bench players. And so, uh, to me, there's a rationale to make Des- – even though Desmond Bain, I think, is ahead of Dylan Brooks in the pecking order, the rationale to me to take Bain out of the game first makes a lot of sense because he – you want – he can he – can, you can keep – if you stagger John Rant and Desmond Bain in the middle of the game, obviously you start and end each half with them together. Um, but if you stagger them in the middle more, you always have one of your two best scorers on the floor. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And then with Dylan Brooks, you know, you can pair him with John Morant and and you could help cover John's defense and and hopefully give less um, um, instigation for Brooks to hunt shots when John Morant's out there to do that.
1: Uh, In terms of of riding with LaRavia, I mean, we've seen that. They're patient. Uh, Zaire Williams, when he—they stuck with Zaire Williams, and he was not particularly great. Uh, honestly, he wasn't great all year long. <laughs> he he was—he had moments. No. He had flashes. He got, he got better. Yeah, he got better. He, he yeah. Got
0: better. But he was even in the playoffs. They were not. I mean, they were better with him on the floor. You know, people wrong. You know, understandably, like you know, wrung their hands about Dylan Brooks. They were better generally when Dylan Brooks was out there. They were not better when Zaire Williams was out there.
1: Do you give David Roddy though? I do. I, I think they'll be patient with Jake Laravia, but I do wonder. If if David Roddy's sheer effectiveness and do everythingness gives him a chance to, uh, he's different obviously. But although yeah, he well, shot well from three too, he shot well last year from three. Um, here, go ahead.
0: Yeah, here's the other thing, and I, I, I this is something I wrote this morning and then I cut for space, so I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day. But um, I was writing about John Conchar. I ended up cutting that just to, to make the column shorter, make it just about Bain and Brooks. But. um when we talk about this rotation stuff, we, we talk as if everybody's healthy. And right. well, that's not going to be the key start of the season because Jared, Jared won't be there. And so at some point, Jared comes back, and, you know, Dama' shifts down. He has, he, Roddy and, and Lorraine, there's no room for them. But odds are they'll have not have that many games this season where all 10 of their preferred 10 players are all available at the same time. So opportunities are going to come. Like I look at John Conchar technically was not in the 10-man rotation last season. If they had been fully healthy or whenever they were fully healthy, it was Bain, Brooks, Williams, Mountain. Those were the four wings. And Conchar was the fifth wing. So he's out of the rotation unless they need him. He played 72 games last year and averaged 18 minutes a game when he was, quote, unquote, not in the rotation. <laughs> right. Is he going to do more than that this season when he's in the rotation? And of the four wings last year – you know, if you, if you do, you know, 81 games by four play or 82 games by four players, I think the number is 328 total games among four players in a rotation. The Grizzlies got like 240 out of those guys. So they're going to need other guys to play. They, there'll be other guys who are not in the default 10-man rotation, but you're not going to have the default 10-man rotation. So Roddy's going his, his to get his chances, and Tillman's going to get his chances. and. And uh, who else? Uh, Laredia, even after Jaron comes back. Like, there are going to be opportunities for all these guys. So it's a matter of pecking order in terms of who gets the most opportunities.
1: Are you much of a bowler, Chris? Uh,
0: no. I mean, I've bowled occasionally in my life, but I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't own my own ball or shoes That's, 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 that's at. That's, that's,
1: that's, the, that's the line right there. Do you own your own line? So there is so much good stuff in Drew's piece today, which I would urge people to read at the Daily Memphian. I don't know. I, you know, I, I liked – Brandon Clark setting a new record on Papa Shot with the floater. Like, that's his game, you know, and people try to make him a three-point shooter, but, but that's his game, close to the rim, uh, and so I like that. But I think my favorite was Steven Adams bowling in flip-flops, which Pete Pranica called on this show yesterday. But then I particularly like the fact that his fingers don't fit in the bowling ball. That was my favorite part. You can just imagine him grabbing it and throw. It. We saw it with Jaw. Like we, you know, you can imagine him just hurling the ball down the lane, right? Um, is,
0: yeah, I imagine Stephen Adam just palming the ball, not using the <laughs> holes at all. Right.
1: He said he may have. To, he said I may have to bowl with my toes, bro. So uh, anyway, it looked like they had a good time last night. Um, there was uh, there's dysfunction around the league, which is sort of fun to watch. Uh, Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole. I don't. Uh, you know, whatever, like that's fine. It'll it'll be what it'll be. Um, but when you look at the team dysfunctions, which do you think is particularly? Let, let me let me take you a few a few of these. You got Boston in the coaching scene. You got Phoenix and the DeAndre Ayton not speaking to the head coach deal. You've got the constant drama in Brooklyn with what's going to happen there. The return of Ben Simmons. Was Steve Nash going to get fired? Did KD want him fired? Is what's going to happen when they lose some games? What's Kyrie going to be like? And then you got the Lakers situation with Russ and a new coach, and all of these are—I I would say those are. Maybe I'm missing one, but I think in terms of drama, those are the, the top four dramatic situations. Um, any obviously the Celtics are wildly the best team there, although the Suns could could be good. Um, I mean, the Suns were, the, sons were good. The Suns yeah.
0: were the best team in the NBA last season by a wide margin. In the regular yeah. season,
1: okay. So where? But the question is, where do you think the the dysfunction has the greatest chance of of really being damaging to those four franchises, as opposed to just the Phoenix. roster or whatever else? Yeah. What do you? How do you size it up?
0: Phoenix. Phoenix is the one I would be keeping an eye on. I, you know, there's the Aiton thing. And, you know, I was talking to somebody last week, and they think hey, it's just a bad situation. And once he's eligible to get traded in January, he might pop back up. But, you also know, have Jake Crowder is not even in camp. And, yeah, I understand they were going to replace him in the starting lineup. He was still going to be a top six player on a team that had the best record of the NBA last season. And he's like, no thanks, get me out of here. And then you have the ownership stuff going on. And um, the fact that Chris Paul – a he tends to wear out his welcome with um, anywhere, yes, right. Yeah, and B yeah, he tends he tends to wear down as the season goes on. It's been a problem in the playoffs. I think three of the last four years, and at some point, that's going to start creeping more into the season. I just feel like Phoenix, like last year, was the year, and they missed it, and it's going to get broken up into some way. and And ideally, you would break it up and keep Booker Bridges eight and just reroute around that. But it may just be Booker and Bridges at this point. I don't know. Or, you know Cam Johnson, but I, I think they'll still be a good team, but I, I think I, I increasingly as I look at them I'm, lo- I'm going lower on Phoenix just because I think the, the downside the downside possibilities are so are so apparent with them.
1: When you do your projections, and I'm sure you will at some point, will yeah, you pro- I'm gonna write something next week? Will you project the Grizzlies to be better to finish ahead of Phoenix?
0: i yeah I think well, I don't know there's definitely a chance of that I'll put it that way okay. there's definitely a chance of that
1: all right Laker's situation uh you just think they're going to be bad um
0: i don't, I mean I think they'll be mediocre'll be, I mean, mediocre. be a play in I think they'll be a play in team and I think there is a I'll put it this way I think there's more of a chance that they miss the play in than they're in the top six
1: okay, that seems right, and do you think Russ will finish the season at a Laker
0: no. No. no, I mean I think they'll they'll be trying to to do a trade, and at some point, like if this contract's now expiring, so at some point you get past the trade right. sign, you haven't found it's a trade. Any. Like you might as well just send them home if it's not working out.
1: Um. Okay, Boston, the coaching change does that have a huge impact on how you see Boston?
0: It does have an impact. I mean, I I think coaching matters. I I. I but the other thing is, like Robert Williams is now going to be out for like a month or two, and he's he was the you know all NBA all defense guy for them. I, I'm concerned, and, and Danilo Gallinari is already out for the year, and that team does not have great depth. Like their 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 playoff rotation, if everyone's healthy, looked great, and if Robert Robert Williams is you know back later in the season, it'll still be really good. But like the bottom, the very bottom of that roster, like they didn't do anything. I still I still think they have open roster spots. That they just signed Blake Griffin like the other day, um, and so I'm worried about the depth. I'm worried about the health, and then like the coaching thing. I feel like talent matters more than coaching. And so, like, that team should be good as long as you have, like, a functional NBA person. If someone who's one of their assistants is going to be coaching them, like, you ought to be able to be good with that team if you're good enough to be an NBA assistant coach. I, mean, I sort of feel like you can take any Grizzlies assistant coach and give them that talent. They ought to be able to win more games than they lose. But I think, I mean, you look at that team last season. Like, they they got off to a bad start, and coaching and, and, and roster tweaks sort of got them out of it. And so I, I definitely, you know, if you'd asked me two or three months ago, I might have had Boston first in the East. I think I probably have more like third now because of all this stuff.
1: All right, and how about Brooklyn? Last one. Do you see that going well?
0: I mean, who <laughs> knows? Hey, are all those guys going to play 70 games, and are they all going to have their head on straight? If so, it could be great. I mean, Kevin Durant, is Kevin, Kevin Durant. any given Sunday, whatever, can be the best player in the world still. Um, Kyrie Irving, he's the one I have the most questions about, but Kyrie could be a great scorer and Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant should be a fascinating combination in terms of strengths and weaknesses. Um, I also don't love the depth on that team. I'm not sure Steve Nash is a good coach, like at all. And so I don't, you know, I, I don't think that team has great upside, but I don't think I'll pick them to be top six in the East.
1: All right. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. We'll look forward to the piece going up at the Daily Memphian.
0: Thanks.